0: Adafruit would like to remind parents this Halloween to please carefully inspect your kids' candy. We found doom running inside this Milky Way bar. Remember, do not eat if it's Turing complete. Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey
1: everybody, and happy Halloween-ish coming soon. It's me, Lady- Every day is Halloween here. Every day is Halloween. Um, it's me, Lady Ada the engineer with me, Mr. Lady Ada. Camera control, audio control, and more. We're here at the Adafruit factory in downtown Manhattan. Uh, Behind us, this is the factory. As you just saw some video, this is where we do the kitting and testing and manufacturing and coding and videoing and photoing and documentation and shipping. All that kind of goodies that keep us going. So if you uh, like some of the ridiculous content we make, uh, please pick up a kit or a component or yes. a feather or more yes. we've got a packed show with a lot of uh lot guides lot of and tonight. it's not out yet
0: yeah there's some new products that folks are gonna really like they've been waiting for for a while i
1: know i'm, I'm trying to get to everything all right but let's yeah. kick it off mr lady Ada, why don't you tell them what is on tonight's show? all right
0: on tonight's show the code is high power 10 off in the native fruit store all the way up to 11:59 59 p.m or when i remember to turn Code off gets you 10% off in the Fruit store for everything we have in stock. And you still get free stuff. Later, we'll talk about that and more. we get some live shows. Talk about our Adafruit live series of shows, including Show & Tell, which we just wrapped up a few moments ago. Time travel. Look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers. See what's happening. We also have a really cool segment this week with Retro Tech. Looking back in the world of electronics and more. We have from the mailbag, your letters to us. Some help wanted from jobs.adafruit.com. We also have some made New York City factory footage that you'll be able to check out here from Adafruit. 3D printing, some cool projects from Noah and Pedro. We have ION MPI this week, it's from Epson. New products, lots of top secret this week. We answer your questions. We do that on Discord, adafruit.it slash discord where you can join all 35,000 of us. There's a few thousand people online right now your questions in the chat. We get to them at the end of the show, but lots of folks will help you out in between now and then as well. All that and more on- Yay. Guest it, ask an engineer. Okay, let's pay some bills. First up, use the code. And when you use the code, you'll notice there's things you can put in your cart and they're free.
1: Yes, the new products of the week are 10% off. And you also get freebies when you order from the Adafruit shop, because uh, we love our customers and want to reward you. Uh, order $99 or more, you get a free Promo Proto half-sized breadboard, handy for making your projects permanent from a solderless breadboard. $1.49 or more, you get, it's still happening, the pink circuit board, PCB, KB2040, it's an RP2040 microcontroller board with 8 megabytes of flash, uh, buttons, STEMIQT, USB-C, castellated golden pads. Uh, it's great if you have a pro mini project or pro micro project and you want to uh, RP25 RP2040, if I it, uh, with a lot more flash and RAM. I uh, run CircuitPython, MicroPython, and Arduino. Ooh, one ninety nine or more for UPS ground shipping for your entire order in the continental United States. And two ninety nine or more, we still have Circuit Playground Bluefruits free with your order. Uh, it's got buttons, it's got LEDs, it's got buzzers and switches, and um, it's got a Bluetooth Cortex M4 processor that can run. Uh, You can do some make code stuff on it. We got, I think, MicroPython, CircuitPython, Arduino. People have like ported Rust and other platforms to it. Um, It's a great way to start your solder-free project. You can even make Liz's uh, Bluetooth-controlled bat project she just posted, and you can add BLE control to it.
0: All right, we do a bunch of live shows every single week, every week, every month, every year here at Adafruit. Our live shows. Including the ones that we did today um, yes. we had show and tell um, lots of folks came by and you can see what their projects were a couple highlights Phil B showed um, some of the makings of the Milky Way doom bar chocolate um, doom. yeah so carving the actual um, vessel for the electronics out of a candy bar does it work or do you need to 3d print something you can tune in and find out that's on all of our um, places we post video like youtube and twitch and all that and uh we had dj Devin stop by showing some cool api um, projects with circuit python and then mark had some really neat pumpkins including a blanket pumpkin which is super cute so thanks for coming by and eyes yeah it was really neat on sunday we do from the desk of lady ada and this is where we have it uh a show that we do in two parts it's whatever is on the Moore's desk at that moment it's almost like there's this um social media app like it's like the now or something. Oh the b
1: real? Yeah, I don't B-reel. know how it works but I always see like funny Yeah,
0: it's like s- it's like right them. now you have to do this. So whatever's Oh, it's like going the
1: anti anti Instagram. It's yeah. you can't you can't photoshop it.
0: No, you're just like whatever's happening right now, you just have to you have to show you and you have to be honest about it. So okay. what we do is we just turn the camera on and we're like what's on your desk?
1: Yeah, so this week I was a lot of tests. First off, I showed off, um, I tried to make a tester with these strip pogo pans and totally failed. So I showed that off because I thought other people would like to learn from my not complete functionality working projects. Um, I also showed off the TPS601040 uh, boost converter we're going to get in the store. I showed off a Stemma motor driver. And then the big project I showed off is, um, you know, we've had these Teensy 3.6 base testers that we use for programming all over my controller boards, like sensors and little power breakouts we use in Arduino. But if we're running SWD or mass storage or USB, we have to do something more advanced. Uh, we used to use Raspberry Pis, but actually like Raspberry Pis, they eventually have issues and they take a long time to boot. And so we've started using solid state, um, you know, in, in situ SWD programming. And we use a um, TNC 3.6, which was wonderful. Unfortunately, you can't get TNC three point sixes anymore because of the chip shortage. So we decided to redo our entire tester with an RP2040 Pico, and also we made a couple other updates uh, while we were at it to sort of like fix some things and, and add some more features. Um, so we're gonna have to you know port our libraries over to the RP2040, but you know it's a chip that I don't you know there's not been any shortage issues with it, and the picos are inexpensive. So if they do get blown out because sometimes the tester you know gets damaged, it's very easy to swap out. A RP twenty forty in exchange. So you know, hopefully the PCBs will arrive. I'll put them together, and then um, I'll show off that tester in a week or two. People who are some people were really yep. into this. We all got good feedback. People really liked seeing the behind the scenes. How yeah. the well, how the cook the, the you know what what is the pan that the chef uses. Well, not just a lot the of
0: the folks who watch Desk of Lady Ada they run their own little electronic companies or big electronic companies, and they want to. Uh, up on how you can test electronics. You know, there's the designing of the manufacturing of, and then the testing of it's almost uh, usually it's like separate departments, separate people. Yeah, um, Lady Ada kind of does it's just
1: all in my head a little bit of everything. A little um, little mu- um then we do the great search,
0: way. and the great search is one lady, User powers of engineering to be find the things on digikey.com. Thanks, mm. Digikey.
1: Yeah, so this week, because we, uh, I was working on this tester, what I wanted to do is, we used to hand assemble all these testers. And they were all through a hole and that's okay, but the, the thing is is that we're probably going to have to make these brain boards that then are used to control the the device under test board, yeah. which is separate. We're gonna have to make like 50 of these because it's it's you know we're almost out of TNC 3.6s and I'm probably gonna go back and redo some of the older testers with this new tester and so i was like you know what let's just put it through the pick and place machine so i wanted to find a surface mount everything else i could find surface mount the sd card holder the sockets the connectors the you know tft you know fpc connector um the thing that was i didn't have yet was a surface mount usb a connector because again i've always traditionally used um the through hole version so um in this uh great search i find a couple really good options uh for A and i show you the differences between them
0: all right and then we have jp's product pick of the week we do that on tuesday and then thursdays we do a jp's workshop but let's check out jp's product pick of the week this week
2: is the NeoKey 5x6 ortho snap apart PCB. This has socketed key switch receptacles so you can take your key switches, you don't need to solder them in, you just place them into their little sort of spring-loaded clips there, and now it's ready to go. That is collecting the column and row presses and then sending key press and key release messages to the microcontroller, and then I'm also sending it NeoPixel color changes so when I press one of the green ones it turns pink when I press one of the pink ones it turns green so that is kind of helpful feedback that you can use especially when you don't have printed keycaps just to keep you oriented with what you're doing snap-apart ortho 5x6 pcb
0: and again don't forget jp's show is tomorrow thursday jp's workshop and then friday we have deep dive with tim Fummy guy uh Tiff stopped by and showed a really key really cool trivia game that you can build with circuit python and he'll be showing this off on friday as well time travel let's uh, look around the world of makers hackers artists engineers all the things that are going on including some company news things in the news and more so first up uh november 8th is voting day and at adafruit it's a paid day off yay so let me do what i do every single year and i'll just mention it i it's know it's not too
1: late everybody i
0: know this year Uh, is, you know, midterms, and and there's a lot of things going on. This is, you know, a U.S. conversation. Um, But next year, you know, 2023 and then 2024, um, every year when voting comes around, a lot of people um, get angry on Twitter, and um, they're mean to each other on social media, and they talk about change, and they talk about uh, which hashtag you're using or how you update your profile picture here's my suggestion ask your employer what it take to get paid day off for voting um companies should allow folks to vote usually it's part of the rules and stuff like that but a lot of people don't it's not convenient no matter what uh state or federal laws are and uh maybe their employers are not doing the right thing but if we had it as a day off a lot of people could volunteers, poll workers, they can get involved, they can be more civic-minded. And so wherever you fall on the political spectrum, it seems like this is something that would be kind of good. We've been doing this for years, and my suggestion is just ask your employer, just be like, hey, what would it take for us to have this as a day off? Because usually if you come in a different way and say, we demand to have this day off, that's one way to do it. But usually you can uh, figure out a way to negotiate. And say like, hey, like, what would it take? Like, what is there a metric that we'd have to? Do? Is there a way that we could do our schedules or something? Because this is an important thing. Like I said, maybe for some folks this year isn't that important, but pretty sure upcoming years will be pretty important. And um, there's a few companies that do this in the maker world. Every year I send out emails, and I say, hey, would you consider doing this? Some have. So I will. Can- Continue and this is separate
1: this. than the legally mandated requirement. Yep. This is where you have the entire day. Full day off. So that way you don't have don't have to come in at all. Full day off. A lot of people... And you can volunteer and you can do more than just vote. Yeah. You can actually help other people vote.
0: Yeah. Well, we wanted to do this because some folks want to help out and make sure uh, the elections are fair. Yeah. And you need poll uh, monitors and more. So um, we can talk about this and we can try to dunk or like... <laughs> say so you should do this um, or we could just set a good example um, and so that's what we're trying to do if little old fruit can do it here in New York City you can do it too okay um, next up I wanted to um, mention that if you haven't seen our we play in the beginning of the show we have the uh, candy of doom the turing complete um, if it's touring complete don't eat it yeah um, you can uh, it's made the rounds all over the internet
1: Philby did a great job with this. project. Jeppler yeah. and Philby collabed on this. So, Jeppler did the code. Um, Philby did the video and the mechanics. It was a yeah. great collaboration.
0: So our promise to you, if it's if it's something that can run Doom on it, we'll get Doom on it. Um, so this is this is one of many projects that um, we hope to uh, get out before. I guess uh, Doom is just in a pill.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then can... um, check out uh, you know um, the show and tell where Philby talks about shows off the making of and how it was done. Um, it really is Doom, you know. That's that's an ESP32 S3 running um, you know a mini- miniaturized Doom wad, but it does all fit into the uh, four megabytes of flash, and two megabytes of RAM. So mm-hmm. good job again, Jepler, on, on getting that going.
3: Okay.
0: And then uh, tomorrow is Hack Pumpkin oh. live at six thirty p.m. with Ali, Kevin, and Jordan. Um, this is uh, our friends over at Digikey. These are the hosts. They do this every single year. I wanted to help get the word out. Happy Halloween, Happy Halloween. and you know, go check it out. You'll see this on Twitter and all the places tomorrow. Um, and then we'll probably be making our announcement next week, like I've been saying over the last couple of weeks, most likely we are going to tell everyone that uh, we did not get the 5000 parts we wanted in, um, in time for the latest Ada box we wanted to do before the end of the year. But that just means we can for sure do all the ADA boxes we want to do in 2023. So if There's still a chance, but we'll let everyone know soon. Um, You can always uh, pause your subscription. Um, We don't charge until it ships, so you could just let it ride. But if you want to bounce and then try to come back, you can. However, um, we have a few thousand people waiting to get on the AdaBox list. So if you bounce off completely, you might have to wait to get back on. And um, part shortage changed some of our plans, obviously. Uh, A good example is, and I'm not saying this is the only reason, but if, we were using microchip SAMD microcontrollers. We
1: wouldn't get it till 2024. We wouldn't get it until
0: 2024. So if we had any ADA box planned using those chips, um, maybe it would have been a good idea for us to use some of this time to redesign those ADA boxes using something that's more available, like an ESP, Espressif base chip, or- well,
1: There's the S3s are out. Yeah, or
0: RP2040s. 40s. So you could probably guess. Um, a lot of the ADA boxes we're going to do, we're going to make sure we're not stuck waiting forever for something um, that's going to be forever moved and the football pulled away from us at the last second. Okay. Yoink. Mailbag. Letters.
3: <laughs>
2: we get
0: letters. We get and we get emails. Okie dokie. These are some of the emails or letters or something we get from y'all each week. This is this week's mailbag. I teach a second year college design class in electrical and computer engineering. And I want to give you kudos on your CircuitPython ID and hardware kits. The well-supported design tools make it simple to build meaningful projects from the ground up, without a huge time investment, even though students are building challenging projects from the PCB level up, the success rate has been high. That's right. Imagine not. Being being able to see your project work at all after spending months on it, that um, so being first, able. to my <laughs> first
1: internship, which I did at Mitsubishi Electric Research Lab, I literally spent three weeks just trying to make an LED blink. On it was a it was a Philips sorry it was an Easy USB chip, and it was so frustrating. Yeah, but it was you, weeks. You learn the hard
0: way. You cut your teeth on it. It was
1: like two to three weeks, and I remember when I got the LED <laughs> to finally blink. And it was like, this is amazing, because there's assembler and like, because you do the compiler and the upload technique, it was just forever. And I just don't want anyone to have to live through I, that. I again. think there's a debate. I mean, it was amazing when it got working, but I it was so a painful. I think there's a
0: debate about how how or why that would be good or bad. On one hand, someone could say, well, because that was so hard, that's why you became the engineer you are, and that's why you wanted to make things easier for it because that's why you, you pushed really hard to get all these skills to never have to do that again. The other side of this could be like, if you didn't have to waste your time with that, you got, you would've got so much more done. I would've, I, would, I couldn't we would, we, the, we, yeah. would, we would even be further along.
1: Oh my God, it yeah. was such a pain. And I remember, because he wanted me to use openly, the advisor wanted me to only use open source tool chains, which is fine, but so I had no example code, no example comp- compilation, no. no example uploading. So I had like, I had like three or four variables that I just couldn't, um, I couldn't control, but I did get it working eventually. But boy, yeah. it was not fun. So I,
0: I think there's there's a couple of ways you can look at it. You know, for you, you saw this as an opportunity to never do that again, and you yeah. spent you spent the last 15 years making sure you never had anyone had to do that again. It's been, um, it's been more that was more but, than 15
1: years ago. But but, yeah. it, but I
0: also hear people that are kind of cranky, and they're just like, "Well, you, everyone should learn the hard way, but not everyone can, and not everyone should, and not everyone has enough time." It was really not. It yeah. was I didn't Anyways. I
1: didn't learn that much. I just was I was just very frustrated. Okay.
0: Retro time. Okay, um, so this week, not only do we have a piece of hardware from back in the day, but we have the commercial that came with it. Yeah. So here it is.
2: We knew they were coming futuristic computer minds, advanced intelligence, an electronic language of lights and sounds. But there's one thing we didn't know. How much fun they are. Touch me, three different games in one where your family challenges each other and an unpredictable computer. Touch me, fun and action for the whole family or just for one. Touch me, the pocket-sized okay. computer game from Atari. What will they think of next?
0: Yeah, not a great name. Um, but uh, look at this design. So, this was a physical representation of an Atari game for arcades. And, you know, Simon came along and I think they wanted to have, you know, some type of handheld game as well.
1: Notice that they didn't have any, they only had red LEDs. Otherwise, they would have had yellow, green, and blue. But yeah. blue LEDs didn't exist yet. Yeah. So I think they like did have yellow and green, you know, but they didn't have blue. Yeah. Didn't have the, the GAN, uh, in GAN.
0: Very Simon like. And uh, like Lady Ada said, when you don't have different color LEDs, you have to just put the LED on a colored square.
1: <laughs> but look at the, they have the Atari switches. You know, those are the, yeah. you know, remember from the Atari 2600, those mode switches, they are extremely satisfying and good looking.
0: Yeah. And here's some of the packaging you can see. Attach me. Yeah. That's three whole games in one. <laughs> okay. what, what are you gonna, <laughs> what, what are you gonna do like, about it's this? It's like pong, where they're yeah. like, we
1: have tennis and hockey, we have and it's three like
0: three entire games. <laughs> yeah. Look, nineteen seventy-eight. The times were simpler, um, and you know we scan in the manual, and we have all this stuff. So we're, we're 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 trying to do our best to preserve some of the computing history. This is a very weird device that uh, not a lot of people heard about, and not a lot of people saw. I've never it. heard of this. Yeah, and that is this week's Retro. Okay, we have a jobs from for jobs or a bunch of jobs have been coming in. Um, I'm just gonna keep focusing on Great. just like one per week, but uh, some other new ones came in. This is this week's. This is a STEM program instructor, full time, White Mountain Science in Littleton, New Hampshire. If you want to be a STEM program instructor, check it out. You can look at the website, all the information about it. You can apply um we review all of these before we make them live make sure there's not sketchy or scams or who knows you can not only post your skills up if you're looking for a job but if you're a company and you want to find cool people like these folks are you can post up the job that uh you want to meet some makers to apply for it's jobs.adafruit.com okay python hardware time okay this week a um, couple of little bits of news and then we're gonna talk about some other stuff um, CircuitPython beta 3
1: and released. we're gonna come out with beta 4 soon a lot of bug fixes um, yeah. ESP32C3 I think just got fixed in the latest um, you know more Pico W fixes thank you everybody who's been trying out the Wi-Fi and Pico W um, it's been uh, exciting to yeah. see uh, it taking over, we'll be doing more projects as well. So
0: 8, Beta 3, and then Beta 4 is coming out soon. Yeah, we'll soon. Um Before I talk about some of the other stuff, just a little bit of a reminder. So, Ada did a chat last week. Yeah, um,
1: and I showed Circuit CircuitPython.
0: Yeah, CircuitPython for Espressive devices, and all of the videos are now out. You can check out Espressive's first-ever DevCon 2022, and uh, they did a fantastic job. Um, kudos to the entire team over there. Who managed to put together a great virtual event with uh, tons of stuff? I was watching lots of different sessions and more. Um, so next up, uh, Python 311 got released. Um, some people have been, you know, keeping an eye on this. There's some performance increases and more. Um, you know, it's always good. Did our normal roundup of like which languages are uh, popular right now? It's usually neck neck with JavaScript and Python. And then um, it's Halloween time. So if you look in the newsletter this week and you're looking for some, well, there's still time. So I don't know if it would be last minute, but if you want to uh, put some eyeballs on something, you can look at some of the videos from Show and Tell. You can look at some of the guides that we have. um, You can just type Halloween. You could also just like type eyeball, Um, (laughs) we have a lot. And then the uh, Pimeroni wireless kit, uh, it's easy to program. It comes with this like neat glass skull and you can- Oh, really? It It comes with the skull? Yeah, you can order it with or without skull, yeah. And then here's a cool Raspberry Pi Pico MicroPython animated skull, lots of skulls. More skulls. And you know, if you go through the rest of the newsletter, you can get all the things that you might need for Halloween or more. Oh. And then I wanted to show one last thing. Yeah. Our go Pete Warden introduced yeah. bam, a bam, bam. people detector.
1: Yeah. This was actually kind of neat. So uh, Pete Warden, who worked on um, TensorFlow light for microcontrollers at Google and is now um, in, I believe in academia, uh, has been working on taking some of the ideas uh, and concepts from the um, uh, micro, sorry, uh, TensorFlow Lite for microcontrollers. I just remember TensorFlow Lite for microcontrollers um, book and making it reality. So he always had this th- this idea of having a person sensor um, that was extremely low power and low cost. And so um, he actually released a you know it's a ten dollar sensor. It has like a Hi-Max, um camera on it and it has I squared C and a microcontroller and it's running TensorFlow Lite for microcontrollers and then sends that data over I squared C. So in this example, he shows how. Um, to use Circuit Python running on a RP2040 Trinky yeah. to communicate with this like all-in-one sensor to detect uh, when a person um, gets close to a computer screen.
0: And one of the neat things is this is not connected to the internet everything is on the edge there's no personally identifiable information that's getting transmitted anywhere it's a person detector without taking you and putting it into the cloud where it never goes away and one day it'll uh, hurt you Um, so uh, this is a neat trend and it's neat to see folks uh, putting this type of power in a microcontroller and then using all the open source hardware and software from Adafruit to make it all work together i think if you're concerned about AI and you want to be someone who builds things um, instead of uses things only as a consumer, this is a neat one to consider. People detector. And then you can have all the smarts with Python to have it do yeah. stuff. If it sees a person, then here's right. a bunch of things you can do. Okay. That's our Python on Hardware newsletter for the week this week. Please sign up. You do that over at datafruitdaily.com. We deliver the newsletter every single week to your inbox. And over on Adafruit Daily, you can sign up for this newsletter and other ones. It's not connected to your store account at all, in any way. And that's how you know you're never going to get spammed from us. A um, little bit of a reminder don't forget, code's high power, 10% off at Adafruit Store. Um, we are an open source hardware company, speaking of, of yes. all the open source things you can build. Um, we have 2,750.
1: Six. Six we had we got over two thousand seven hundred and fifty, which is yeah, a big deal. Yeah,
0: that is a big deal. Um, so on the big board this week, Lady okay. uh
1: Okay. We know and Pedro will show the video soon. Um, they showed how to make these um, custom uh, Halloween neon LED signs. There's the Grim Reaper. There's hipster ghost, and there's uh, werewolf moon. Um, showing how to use the LED animations library and Circuit Python to create like pretty advanced animations that can run concurrently. Uh, which is really cool. Um, I think they're running on RP twenty forty, but you know, it looks like neon, but it's, it acts like a neopixel. Just kind of like the best of both worlds, and it's great for making signs. We see a lot of, um, you know, restaurants and cafes have neon signs that are made out of the flexible neon uh, LED, flexible LED neon because it's like inexpensive and it's durable. People can't break it as easily. Um, but they're not animated, so we check out this guide. Um, from Peli uh, over at Microsoft Research Labs, um, there's a new feature for uh, MakeCode. Well, it's, it's like MakeCode ish, but for Microbit V2, you can use Microcode, which is like a, a b- block drag and drop system. Um, it just came out, so it's, it, I honestly haven't actually gotten to check it out. I just read the guide. Um, but it's really neat. They're trying to figure out easier and easier ways to get people introduced to computing. So okay. uh, if you have a microbit V2, uh, check out that guide, follow along. And um, if you have, find any bugs or issues, uh, let them know because they just released this. More guides. More guides. Katni uh, finished a guide for the LTR329 and LTR303 light sensors um there we had arduino and CircuitPython python code but we have a guide that talks about all the pinouts and and details and how to use them um, both sensors are basically the same core they have a visible and a visible plus ir um diode, so you can read both channels the ltr 303 also has an interrupt pin and threshold interrupt pin so it's a little bit more advanced because you can like set the interrupt uh whereas the 321 is a lot simpler we thought there could be uses for both um, we're personally gonna probably use the 329 for a future project, whereas the 303, I think, is what a lot of makers would want in a breakout board. JP uh, did a project on um, the TCA 8418, which is the new keypad matrix driver that we put into the shop recently. Um, the matrix driver lets you do eight by 10 keys, but what he thought would be interesting is, you know, a lot of people wanna make uh, split keyboards, but you end up having to do this weird RX, TX thing where you have two microcontrollers that communicate with each other and he's like well with this matrix expander you you know there's two addresses you can pick for them uh sorry no, you can't pick two addresses but the rp2040 has two i squared c buses so you can have two connected and you can have them separated but connected with just a basic stem iqt cable a lot simpler than this like bidirectional communication it just shows how to use our five by six uh, snap apart ortho keypads to to make a, you know a diy um ortho keyboard with that split and has the cable in between but it's also a good example of like how to use two devices on different i squared c buses on one rp2040 board uh, and how to make your own keyboard with a plastic case um, and then uh carter wrote a really handy guide this was in our Blinka raspberry pi guide but it was like kind of hidden and people didn't see it as much um, there's a, still a lot of chips that we use that are um, require I2C clock stretching. Um, I3C has removed clock stretching, and we totally understand why, because it's really hard to implement very well. Uh, the Raspberry Pi computers do not implement clock stretching, and so there's a lot of times people are getting weird data. Sensors don't quite work. They start flaking out. Uh, there's a couple ways to fix it. Um, one is uh, tweaking the... Um, gpio speed and we show some examples of how you know you can figure out what gpio speed works uh, you can also use bitbang i squared c um, the the bitbang gpio i squared c driver for the raspberry pi it's a a, a kernel overlay uh, and that will definitely fix the problem um, because it is a software-based i squared c but there's there's trade-offs for that because i don't i think i think you can't use it with hardware drivers and you know you have to wait till it boots Trade-offs, whatever, check it out. Uh, this could solve your issues with um, clock stretching devices on I squared C, on the Raspberry Pi. And then finally, Liz did a fun no soldering project for Halloween. No video. Oh, we're gonna watch the video yeah. with uh, a flapping Halloween bat. Um, originally the code was a and then today she added a Make code page as well. Looking for a quick no soldering project for Halloween? Have no fear, this project gets you from zero to a flapping vampire bat in no time. You can build this animatronic bat with a Circuit Playground Express and two servo motors. The servos have alligator clips that can clip to the Circuit Playground's pads. The bat's wings attach to the servo motors. CircuitPython code running on the Circuit Playground moves the servo motors in a flapping motion. The code also utilizes the LED animation library to animate the Circuit Playground's NeoPixels. To get flapping, power up the bat with either USB power or a JST battery pack. To see how you can build your own vampire bat just in time for Halloween, check out the Learn Guide at learn.adafruit.com.
0: All right, time for some factory footage. All right, it's time for some 3D printing. Pedro? we're gonna play two videos back to back and then we'll see on the other side. The first one's gonna be, those LED, Halloween decoration signs, and then a 3D printed jack-o'-lantern. That is a surprise if you're a Disney fan.
2: This Halloween season, you can 3D print your own LED neon signs. Bring these signs to life with LED animations using Adafruit's CircuitPython. Use multiple NeoPixel strips to create elements with spooky animated features. Print a hipster ghost wearing shades, a grim reaper holding a scythe, or a werewolf howling at the moon. Powered by Adafruit's CutiePie RP2040, this little devil packs lots of treats with features that are sure to fright. This 3D-printed coffin snap fits together and houses a small perma-proto-board. Perfect for letting your dev board slumber in peace when it's time to lay to rest. With CircuitPython, you can program your own LED animations and build custom sequences. Use the Animation Group Helper to synchronize groups of animations and multiple pixel objects to create specific features. Get the spells and acquire the ingredients to build your own by traversing the Adafruit learning system. We hope this inspires you to bring your DIY frights to life with Adafruit's CircuitPython.
0: All the stuff and more on 3D Hangouts every Wednesday with Nelly and Pedro. Okay, before we go over to INMPI, don't forget, go to Tide Power. 10% off at your store, store. Let's do INMPI. 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 All right, this week's Iron MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit is from Epson.
1: Yes, this one is right on time. I don't have a lot of clock and time jokes because it's a uh, Precision RTC set from Epson. Um, these RTCs, you know, it's interesting because I don't think of Epson necessarily as making chips and RTCs. Um, but they are really famous for their crystals. We use Epson crystals all the time in our devices, and so it makes sense that they take something, this is basically a you know 3.2 by 2.5 millimeter crystal, and they're like, we're already really good at the crystal part, let's shove an RTC chip in there, and they did! Um, so we're going to feature the RX 8901 uh, CE, but there's also the 4901, which is the SPI version, and basically this is, you know, Epson's really good at crystals and temperature compensation for crystals. Now they've added a microcontroller, not microcontroller a, a silicon chip inside that acts as a real-time clock and is temperature compensated, which is really important because um, this is something that people ask us about all the time, is um, how can you have precision timekeeping? Um, You know, I think I was even looking, you know, Jepler, who's one of our engineers, is like, I'm a time nerd. Um, If you're a time nerd, uh, you know it. You want to have the best, most accurate time possible. Turns out that's actually pretty hard to do. Um, You know, a lot of people have used uh, chips like this, uh, temperature compensated um, uh, RTCs from Maxim. And I I do love these chips, but I do want to mention that this is basically... Uh, you know another option so if you aren't able to get these chips because they've been really strongly affected by the chip shortage um, or you want to try and you know another vendor or something that's a little more affordable um, this chip is a really good option. Um, So you know as I was kind of you know looking into this I was like well why you know why is it so hard to do um, really accurate time and I think one of the the issues is that people have um, they have uh, not misinterpretations but um, they have experiences with clocks and timers around them that influence how they think time is works with electronics. And there's actually a lot of work behind the scenes to make time um, very accurate that you're like you're not even aware of. So you know even um, you know h- historically, if you had an alarm clock or a wall clock, it plugs into the wall. It actually uses the 60 hertz frequency of the mains in order to you know because it goes 60 hertz here or 50 hertz in um, Europe, and it uses that to power a a timer, a, a, uh, a, you know, a flip-flop and a clock divider, and then that's how it gets one hertz. And what's interesting is, like, you know, the, the 60 hertz is actually really good enough that you can have extremely accurate timekeeping because that frequency is generated by, you know, the power plant in your town or outside your town, um, and they can synchronize it to make it, like, a perfect 60 hertz. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at this uh, website, LeapSecond, they actually did analysis. So during peak hours when there's a lot of power, actually the frequency kind of goes up and down a little bit, but at the end of the day, when the power usage is lower, the um, power plant will actually adjust the frequency back. Like they'll kind of like give you some extra cycles or remove some cycles or kind of tweak the frequency so that on average, it really is like extremely precise 60 Hertz. Problem is, is that a lot of people don't Plug into mains voltage anymore. Uh, oftentimes, you're using a switching power supply or USB, and so you don't have access to this like pre calibrated uh, 60 hertz signal that will give you like really accurate timekeeping. So, a couple options that people have used historically are you know a WWVB NIST radio receiver kit. So, this is a um, radio transmitter that's I think in Colorado in the United States, maybe a couple other locations. And if you have, you know, this this radio module, you can receive that signal and it'll give you extremely accurate time um, because the transmitter is, you know, atomic clock accuracy. It's like it is the NIST timekeeper. The problem is, is that honestly, all the way on the East Coast here in New York, we never got this working really well. We always had a lot of difficulty, especially inside of an apartment. You really have to have the antenna either outside or you know, pointing in the direction of Colorado or whatever, in order to get good signal. Look, I bet if you're in Nebraska, it's, you're gonna get amazing signal. Um, we had a lot of trouble here in, uh, in New York City. Um, and of course, again, you, do, you can't have it be indoors. It has to be kind of outdoors-ish or near a window. Another way that people get accurate time is with GPS. Um, GPS also gives you, you know, atomic uh, clock precision. Um, you have to face the sky with the antenna but you know once you get signal from there you're you you get the absolute accurate time but again it's kind of expensive uh, uses a lot of power you need to synchronize with these um, uh, satellites and then you know finally if you have network capability if you can use NTP again also this is a atomic clock synchronized um, timekeeping service, but all of these things, you know, the it, the 60 hertz mains is inexpensive, but a lot of people don't connect to mains anymore because um, they're connected to a switching through a switching power supply. But the radio, the GPS, and NTP are all very power hungry. Like you need to have internet, or you need to have a, a receiver or a radio. Um, and so while those are really good ways to keep your project synchronized really well, a lot of people. Um, want something that's standalone and so when you use something like a real-time clock um, you're going to connect it to a crystal Uh, and usually it's a 32 kilohertz 32.768 kilohertz crystal which means that you know one out of one to the sorry two to the 15th power times divider of the clock frequency three two seven six eight is one hertz and then that's your one second timer and the circuitry that does the dividing is perfect, right? Like it's very easy to make something that divides by three, two, seven, six, eight, because again, it's a power of two. The problem is that the crystal itself has some variability. Um, even the highest quality crystals are going to have some variability of about 10 to 20 ppm, um, depending on the, the temperature, especially with temperature, but also just just natural variability, because crystals aren't, you know, they don't oscillate perfectly on time. Um, You know, atomic clocks do, but they're again extremely expensive. So, you know, you get these crystals; they're 20 ppm. You do the math: 20 parts per million ends up being, um, you know, you calculate there's 86 something something thousand seconds per day, and you know, multiply that by the 20 over 1 million, and basically turns out to be two seconds a day of plus or minus loss. And uh, over a month, that adds up to you know almost a minute. So. Um, so it's like two seconds, you know, 2.8, 1.8 seconds a day. But it can also be a little bit more depending on aging and if the temperature gets very extreme. So basically, you know, you're losing up to a minute a day, a minute a month. And that can be quite a lot. It's uh, very annoying. It means you're constantly, at, you know, you have to synchronize your clock with, again, one of these atomic clocks. Or you can go with a temperature compensated crystal oscillator with Epson has. And what that does is it'll be able to cut it down from, you know, maybe 20 ppm to like 3 or even you know uh, two ppm, depending on if it's if it's uh, um commercial versus industrial temperature range. It's a little bit more expensive. You're adding in a dollar or two, but it's not as expensive as a GPS. It's not as it's not very power hungry. Um, the circuit is you know does does little tweaks here and there to to get the um, the oscillation to be much closer to 32.768 or it'll add or, or remove pulses to, to even it out. So you basically end up getting uh, closer to true 32 kilohertz signal. So um, this is the, you know, this is what we've got here. It's a temperature compensated crystal um, with a real time clock in it. There's two versions, uh, i squared c SPI. There's also two pin options, pin A and pin B. I think one has frequency out. The other one has um, more event in inputs Um, but the interesting thing is the frequency tolerance that's what you want to look at. So for the XS series um, you get you know as little as plus or minus three uh, ppm which basically means plus or minus eight seconds. It's about you know one tenth one you know one uh, eighth of as much variation in frequency over um, minus uh, 40c to 85c and then for very hot temperatures, you know, it is going to be a little bit more than that. So above 85C, which again is, is very hot. It's not 85F, it's 85C um, plus or minus 5. So this could be very good in, in hot environments where you want to get a um, better timing rate. And then um, there's an I2C version, SPI version. There's also, you know, all the RTC stuff you'd expect. Uh, the calibrated, the temperature calibrated frequency output. Event input pins so you can like timestamp stuff without having to wake up. Separate battery and V out. Um, power supply can be, you know, 1.6 to 5.5 volts. So, really nice wide range, wide temperature range, you know, auto switch from V out to V bat. Everything you want in your RTC and it's temperature compensated. And uh, the price is really good uh, compared to many other uh, temperature compensated. Um, RTCs, You know, it's kind of like half the price. So quite, quite nice. Uh,
0: available on DigiKey. And it's in stock.
1: Yes, that's the best part. There's yeah. a lot of them in stock, both the I2C and the SPI version.
0: And, uh, you know, usually sometimes the companies have you know, little sales videos and stuff like this. This is a little different. Epson has a really beautiful video that goes along with this.
1: This was so relaxing. Yeah. I felt like so much better so after watching this video. This is video.
0: really, really good. We rarely play, you know, just like, here's a sales and marketing video. It's actually really nice. Epson did a, a really good job. So we are going to play it.
3: Maintenance is 最終 非常に高品質な素材を要求されます。1万短くて3ヶ月、長いもので6ヶ月育成しています。釜でん時はですね、材料原料釜
1: Cool. I
0: promised I wouldn't cry during a, an MPI, but <laughs>
1: no, I just like it was like so like yeah. peaceful, so and like this crystal so beautiful. I-
0: I've been doing this biz with you for a while. I've never seen a video where they go through and show the process of growing crystals like this.
1: I know actually I didn't realize that they I I also thought they were mined. I for some reason I was like I didn't think like oh yes, of course they'd be grown.
0: You could grow them. But they're
1: yeah. beautiful. I mean like they're, you know, they're enormous and they're perfectly clear yeah. and yeah, I mean it's like they grow them for 3 to 6 months. So it's like you have to have perfect cleanliness. Everything has to be temperature, you know, everything has to be set up to make these gorgeous, perfect crystals every single time. And they've been doing this for like, I mean, probably a hundred years.
0: Yeah. Can we get a crystal growing machine around here?
1: I kind of (laughs) want one now. I I mean, like that thing is cool.
0: Yeah. Can we get some of that uh, government money to do a crystal fab? I don't
1: know. They're beautiful. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, and it's cool how you can tell like if they get one big crystal and that, that turns into millions of little uh, crystal oscillators that you guys use in your circuit. So a little bit of every yeah. microcontroller board that you've ever made. This came is
0: from why my we control. like doing uh, on MPI because we learn something new every I single I, week.
1: I really didn't know how crystals were grown. No and I that's do.
0: this week's I on MPI. Hi on MPI. Yeah. Okay, so don't forget the code is high power. And we're gonna go off and do some new products. That's right.
1: New, 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 new.
0: This week we have a bunch of it's not out yet, top secret. So we're gonna do one new product, and then we're gonna go and do a bunch of stuff. So the star of the show this week, besides you, lady at our community, our customers, everybody who runs Adafruit, our employees, our staff, our friends, our partners is
1: this very high power infrared led emitter Um, we were seeing a lot of people trying to build their own tv gone type projects or ir controllers and one thing that is uh, i've learned about infrared transmitters is you really want to like drive them really strong to get good range and you want to hit the ir receiver even if it's not pointed exactly directly at it 10 meters away, 15 meters away. To do that, you have to have a bunch of IR LEDs and you really want to drive them very strongly with a transistor. And so, you know, we have circuits showing how to do that, but it's always like people have to get the FET and the pull down and the resistor. So I thought, let's make a little stem aboard. You connect your JST PH cable on one end. I'll show that. Um, Give it power, ground, and a signal, and then it'll just blast that to uh, two infrared LEDs. I picked nice and bright ones. We chatted about that on the Great Search a couple weeks ago. I think these are 90 uh, lumens, or I don't remember. That. They're as bright as the five millimeter LEDs that we um, sell. You can drive them at uh, 100 milliamps standard, one amp um, peak. On this board, if you give it three volts, you're going to get 100 milliamps per LED. If you drive it five volts, you get 200. And I think that's really good because that way, if people leave the LED on, you won't damage it. And overheat it but it's really simple to use. Um, so I thought I just showed on the overhead real fast and what's nice is that this overhead uh it doesn't have uh, uh I mean it has some uh IR cut filter but not a huge one. So um, the board comes like this there is a there is a uh, breakout area if you want to solder to it but I really just recommend using one of our uh, Stemma two millimeter pitch JST cables. You get a on LED, which um, tells you that the board is powered. And then this signal LED will tell you when there's signal coming in on the signal line. The red and black are power. Again, three to five volts works great. Um, When I uh, touch this to uh, three volt, you see the signal line, which is human visible. So I can see that red LED. These are not human visible, but they do come through on the uh, camera because uh, that's how cameras work. And um, they're really nice and bright. You get two, one edge and one um, upright. And then if you happen to want, you know, another LED or you want an external LED, we give you one more um, spot. You can just wire up a uh, standard infrared five millimeter LED. In this case, it's a it's a white LED. Um, but then what you get you get one more uh, blaster, and then um, you can always disable the on LED or the signal LED if you want it to be. Stealth mode, but just a little easy, inexpensive board with mounting holes just to get people's IR blaster projects going very quickly and very easily.
0: And that is new products this week.
1: New, 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 new,
0: A little reminder, don't forget. High power is a code. You can get all this free stuff. Please start putting your questions up in Discord. Uh, I already have some lined up, but this is where we answer the questions. Let's jump right into top secret.
1: Okay. We have a couple top. Did
0: secrets. a preview on the socials today. Um, these are the boards that we showed off, and uh, you know the names are on some of them, so you can see them. Um, Scorpio is the name of the board. We have uh, a cute little uh, RGB glowy scorpion. And then we also have a feather floppy wing. And this is uh, our rabbit friend that has floppies. I had a rabbit or- named floppy when I was a kid. And then this is the official logo of the of the of the floppy wing. But yeah. um, what, Lady Ada, are these boards? What do okay. they do? Show All right. them off.
1: Well, starting with the Scorpios, so this is an RP2040 board. Um, and it actually has mm. it does dual duty. There's two things that you might want to do with there this. Um, one, it's you know your standard feather, you know, with USB-C, and this is a prototype. It's not going to be green in the end, but you know, prototypes always come out not black necessarily because it takes a longer and more expensive to get black prototypes. Um, and at the edge, where normally we would have like an SD card slot or something, we have eight I/O pins that are going through a um, level shifter, and this level shifter takes the USB input and gives you, um, you know, five volts. To the level shifter so it shifts 8 of the GPIO in their in consecutive order to the output. And the design the idea here is you could use the neopixelate library or any other time you want to like bang out 8 bits at a time in parallel and especially if you want to have them level shifted up to 8 volts. Good for neopixels, but there's probably many other use cases as well. And there's also a little stem UT port up here if you want to connect sensors. And then the rest of these IO pins you can just use as a plain feather. So it's also a you know, an everyday feather. Okay. And on the back, um, the direction and the voltage, it's, I didn't label them, but one is you can change the voltage output from five volts to three volts, and the other one is you can change um, the direction. And the reason you might want to do that is you can also use this not just as eight pin output, But 8-pin input, so if you want to use this as a logic um, sampler, you can do that as well using PIO. Because again, these are going to be, these are uh, 8 pins that are in consecutive order. So you can use PIO to read 8 bits in a row. So, you know, for, um, you you know, people do a logic analyzer project, or if you're doing data capture, um, you know, you can uh, use this. And then it has a buffer, so even if you have 5-volt signal in, it would level shift it down to 3 volts for you.
0: Okay. I was uh, like a happy little scorpion. Yeah. All right. Next up, what do you want to show?
1: Uh, next up, I can show the floppy featherwing because I finally yeah did that revision.
0: Hop on by.
1: Um, so we've actually done a bunch of work to make uh, uh, floppy interfaces for Arduino and CircuitPython. I just got super distracted with a lot of part shortage stuff. Uh, so getting back to this, so this is uh, what's really neat is a two by seventeen header is exactly. Uh, one feather wing wide so this is for your standard floppy idc connector um, i also give you five volts from the usb if you happen to uh yeah, has recommend recommended to power a floppy drive from usb it actually needs more power than a usb provides but uh you know you might be able to do it with some low power uh, floppy disks and then on the bottom we have the level shifters because floppy disks are five volts input output and so this would um, do the level shifting from the three volt floppy, from the 3-volt floppy, hold on, focus, focus, focus. hold on, it's a little bit too high up, or too low down. Let's try now. Beautiful. Um, Two level shifters that will um, take the 3 volts from the floppy, convert it to 5 volts and back, and then there's also a little 5-volt little mini boost converter that will let you uh, take the three volt logic level to make sure you have a really good clean five volt logic and then the right enable pin um, with the right protect pin um, we have a switch on it so if you are doing uh, floppy archiving you want to make sure you absolutely never even accidentally write to the floppy drive you can simply um short the right enable pin high permanently or low whichever one i can't remember off the top of my head uh, by setting the uh, no right versus the right okay direction. So that'll that'll be good for uh, floppy reading and archiving. So we have the code for this in Arduino and CircuitPython already. This is just a... Uh,
0: yeah, and you're probably wondering like why in the world would you want to do anything with floppy just in that old tech? Well, um, one of our friends, Anil, had the original Prince floppy, which is a piece of history. This is when... Uh, Printed Age's name, formerly artist known as Printed is a symbol, here's an article on Hackaday, but you could see this, we, we had to figure out a way to get this off and we had an original PowerBook, um, but that's not going to last forever either. And so there's a lot of things that we want to archive and put somewhere in, this is our history of computing for the last, you know, uh, it'll soon be like 20, 30 years. So um, we wanted to have something for people to be able to read and write floppy disks from all types of computing. And uh, hopefully, put it in a more permanent place where more people can share and access it. Okay, and then last up, Lady Ada, what's your uh, last? Uh,
1: okay, so thing last up, I've got um, we had all these people making cute little boards with 5 by 5 NeoPixels. And I thought, you know, you, I'd make a little add on that you can um, just kind of attach the back of your uh, cutie pie board. And, you know, this, I want to try to do this just by like press and holding it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, you did it. Yay. So, yeah, you can you can solder it directly. Yeah. And then, yeah, it doesn't like Yeah, there you go. So, if I, if I tilt it, uh, so you get, you know, five by five uh, NeoPixels, so you can have little messages or animations um, displaying. Um, and then you can use it with, you know, your ESP32C2 or uh, S2 or S3 or this Cutie Pie or an RP2040 or whatever, or a seed Xiao board. It's just a little add on, you just plug it to the back. And now you can make a little um, glowy, rainbowy friend.
0: Okay. And that is this week's top secret. Lots this week. Okay. We're going to jump right on to the questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I have a bunch lined up. Cool. Ready? Yes. Here we go. First up Would you consider making a 5 volt, 3 amp power bank breakout board? I know I want to make my own power bank to replace my three-amp one and be perfect.
1: Um, this is the person who asked this question like a week or two ago. The answer is still, we don't have one. Um, really, if you want to replace an existing power bank, you, just, you should get them the power bank. OK.
0: Um, in the Python newsletter, you showed a third-party camera by useful sensors. Do you plan on carrying that camera sensor? I see they have an apparent collaboration with uh, SP. Maybe that's, that's uh, Just wondering if you also get the board since you sell the microcontroller featured.
1: Um, well, they just came out and we are we are chatting with um, Pete Warden yeah. about it. Um, right now, There's they're having a little difficulty um, getting more made. I don't know if you knew about this part shortage. Um, so we can't stock them quite yet, but we're chatting and we're giving them some suggestions. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully they'll be able to get them. Once we're some. able
0: to, you should assume yes. And we'll have a pack that comes with um, a Trinkie or other things and maybe we can do a discount when you buy them together. Um, I'm really excited about this because Pete was at Google and now he's able to run an electronics company. And I think he's going to be able to do a lot of stuff that he wanted to do at Google. But now get it out maybe faster, sooner, um, and um, more open because it's, uh, you know, academia. academia. Uh, Next up, have you done long distance testing with the IR sensors at 1 amp?
1: No, because I wanted to drive them at 100 or maybe 200 milliamps for this board because I'm expecting people to not Um, Be as careful because, you know, you you can just connect it up to anything, Um, but it should be able to hit, you know, a couple meters, 10 meters.
0: Okay. Um, I know it's too late for this season, but any thoughts about re-releasing Halloween boards with round screens that damaged my Advox Halloween display, it seems? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, what we want to do is, you know, continue to ride out this park shortage, and then we have a bunch of ideas for all different shapes and sizes of a lot of the boards that you like. Different shapes and sizes for mag tags, different shapes and sizes for uh, Halloween. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Eyeball projects with round eyes. You name it, we want to do it. Um, any idea when we will have more magnetic USB cables in stock?
1: They're on order, but I don't I don't know exactly when they're coming in. Okay. Uh,
0: you have a few GPIO expansion quick boards. Thoughts on a GPIO Pro version? This one having mini uh, I guess that's uh, MOSFETs MOSFETs for each GPIO channel. Um, uses idea would be automated lights to music with coding sequences, timing, Christmas lights, etc. It's
1: a good idea. Maybe probably not for this. Halloween or Christmas but maybe next year
0: okay Uh, question what has been the primary limiting factor in the production of the BN0085 boards
1: there's no BNO 085s
0: Ah, the essential ingredient the
1: essential ingredient (laughs) Um, so we do have BNO 055s in stock right now Um, I would really recommend using those they're almost completely identical for most usages Uh,
0: let's see I think I got most, if not all the questions. Yep, there is still a part shortage going on. Those are the questions, lady. Good, okay. Good job. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Special thanks to Jesse May, who's running things behind the scenes in the Aid for its like. Thank you, Jesse May. Helping out our customers and our team and more. Um, We'll see everybody next week. Same time, same place. We thank you so much. Um, Please consider using the code, saving a buck or two. On the way out, you get the free stuff. This has been an Adafruit production. We'll see everybody next week. Here is your moment of Zener.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye.